Hello, my name is Melanie Clark, and this is the podcast where I give my shiny two cents about life, love, and all of the above. You are now tuned in to Vodka Melonade. Let me pour you a glass. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to a long overdue another episode of Vodka Melonade. It feels really weird to be like speaking into the mic right now. (laughs) And it took me a little minute to like get my little setup on my computer and like, you know, pick the files and do what I got to do. Um, it's been a long time. I mean, it hasn't been like a year or anything, but it's been a solid, mm, what, mm -hmm, like three months, I would say. So yeah, I, (laughs) I feel like for the last few weeks I was like, okay, I'm going to get back this Saturday. I'm going to get back this Saturday. I'm going to get back this Saturday so I can have something for the following Sunday. And I just got a little too lax, a little too comfortable, just enjoying my me time. And I don't know, it just kind of got away from me. But this weekend, I was like, you know what? It's Thanksgiving weekend. I had so much time off, so much time to rejuvenate and relax and gather myself. I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and do it. Like, it doesn't have to be this wild and crazy thing. And once I start, like, even just in the two minutes of this, like, I'm already like, yeah, I miss this. Miss talking to you guys, miss sharing things. And oh boy, I mean, the reason that I was gone for so long is like more than enough to like fill so much of the podcast like (laughs) I could probably go on for like two full hours about it and I'll try to keep it to a minimum but it was a really interesting experience um I was taken away for jury duty and it was a circus it was eye-opening it was kind of stressful it was a little traumatizing and but it was very very interesting I, I learned a lot and I saw, you know, firsthand how our, um, you know, how our system works. And I mean, I hope I don't have to do it again for a very long time. But I think it is good to like experience the full scope of like what jury duty is at least once in our lives. You know, I mean, I've had summons come in before but I've never gotten this far Um, if you're not familiar with how jury duty works you know if you've never gotten a summons or if you've never really paid attention and you've just kind of blown it off like I have in the past (laughs) um, you know you get the summons you have a week of reporting that you have to do the first stage is you can check online or call in to see if you have to even report and you have to call in or go online and check this every day for five days. If you make it through the five days and they don't tell you you have to come in, then that counts as your jury duty being served. Now, the next step is let's say they do call you in. 
this this is the step that I got to once before this time. They have you come in, you sit in a room with dozens and dozens of other jurors and you sit there and they either call you upstairs or you just kind of wait around. It's really boring. And then they dismiss you and then that is jury served. So I did that once. They dismissed me for the day and then that was that. But this time I actually got called upstairs and had to go and be part of like the actual jury selection among a bunch of other people so we actually you know got um got like assigned a number and we went in we got to meet with the lawyers you actually see the defendant in the case sitting there the judge is in there and they're going through everybody one by one they're asking all these questions they're like are you married do you have children what's your occupation have you ever served on you know a jury before um, have you ever been a victim of a crime? If so, what kind of crime? So they ask everybody those questions and then they can't get into too much detail about what the case is, but they were asking like kind of preliminary tester questions. Like they wanted to know, um, you know, can we be fair in a trial where there wasn't a murder weapon? Without getting too much detail, they're just like, how do you feel about, you know, reaching a decision um, of a murder trial without a weapon? And I was like, oh, my God, like, what the hell are we getting into here? And they're asking things like, you know, they're telling us to look at the defendant. And he was just a young kid. He looked like he was like 18, 19 years old. He was wearing glasses. He looked very small and and scrawny and you know I'm like what did he do but they asked everyone to look at him and think like okay is his young appearance going to cause you to not be fair like are you going to be overly sympathetic to him because he looks so young they just want to make sure that we could all be fair so I mind you I'm among a bunch of uh, like other jurors and they're going one by one it took like a full week before they even got to me because you're looking at everyone and you're hearing everyone's responses in real time in front of the in front of the lawyers and everybody and by the time they actually got to me to ask me questions I'd already been going to the courthouse every day for a week and in like the final hours they actually picked me up to be a alternate on a jury panel of about 14 um was it 14 no 16 of us 12 main jurors and then they have four alternates and I was one of the alternates meaning if during the trial you know anyone had to leave be excused whatever the case may be they would swap them out with one of the alternates and I didn't realize this, but even if you're an alternate, you still have to like show up and be present in court, pay attention, take notes if you want to. Um, and just in the off chance that you are picked up to be a normal juror because you have to be like up to date on everything so you can be informed and you can just kind of like fall into place. Now, two people did actually get released, not released, get dismissed because they had things come up during the trial and they couldn't continue. But, you know, the judge was literally like pulling names out of a hat for the alternates, pulling numbers, I should say. And um, I, I didn't end up getting called up to be a permanent one. I just 
they picked two other people from the alternates. So I kind of got lucky there. So it was kind of weird because basically I just got to show up to court every day and just listen and be nosy. And, you know, I didn't even really have to deliberate or anything at the end. Um, I was I was really just there as a just in case juror. Um, but I still had to show up and it was just such a long, long process. They called me in to, you know, serve, like show up the first day on August 18th. I wasn't dismissed and complete with my jury duty until September 29th. So nearly every day, unless something was going on, I had to show up and be there at court. It wasn't too terrible because I didn't have to be there till like 10 o'clock most days. And we were done like 3.30 usually. And then I got to go home. Um, The only odd thing was the way this judge ran his court was he didn't try any cases on Friday. He worked on other documents and stuff he had to do so I'd be at court Monday through Thursday and then on Fridays I had to go back to my regular job and then on Monday go back to the court so it was just I felt like I was living like this double life because you can't talk about the the case you're not supposed to anyway so I go back to work and have to like just get back to regularly scheduled programming Meanwhile, Monday through Thursday, I'm being put through the ringer because of this case. Now, it's all over and done with now, so I can give a few details about it because it it really, I'm just now starting to really like not really think about it anymore. And I think that's a good time to kind of talk about it, I guess, because I'm, I feel a little bit more removed, (laughs) but um, essentially, um, like I said, it was a murder trial. And it involved three teenagers at the time that this happened. And all of this happened August of 2022. And um, someone was killed. This young man named Jaime, he was found stabbed to death on a basketball court in his community in East L.A. And, um, you know, the police efforts and investigation led them to this other young guy named Michael um and it you know they kind of have him on camera and um through some Instagram detective work it kind of led them back to a young lady who was there at the scene of the crime as well and it turns out it was just kind of this really odd kind of young teenage romance triangle gone terribly terribly wrong um her name was alicia is alicia i should say now alicia and michael they they're very young i mean they're like 18 and under at the time that this happened um but they've been together since you know like middle school as much as you can be when you're a teenager you know um and it was very toxic they were off again on again he you know appeared to be very possessive of her um a little bit of manipulative not even a little bit very manipulative um and they you know it seems like they they would break up because he would cheat she'd take him back but then you know she would kind of talk to other people and then they fight and they break up again and it was just it was just a lot um and during one of their off times, you know, last year, uh, she 
started talking to this guy named Jaime. They lived in the same um, community in East LA. They kind of seen each other around. They didn't go to the same school, but um, during her off time with Michael, she was getting closer to him. And one evening in August, they decided, like, not even evening, it was like one in the morning, they decided to go meet up at a playground on their community and um, just talk. So, you know, you see them on camera going and going to this playground to just sit. And then within minutes, you see footage of Michael, you know, her ex, on again, off again ex. He pulls up in a truck. You see him basically make a beeline to where they are. Now, the actual incident was like off camera behind this jungle gym. Um, but, and it, it, it happens really quickly. So you see them kind of all disappear behind this playground. And then you see uh, Jaime, the victim, he stumbles away. And then you see the other two, they, they make their way in the opposite direction. The camera follows, um, you know, the victim. He collapses on a nearby basketball court and you see him kind of writhing around and then he stops because he, you know, he dies and the other two take off. And it turns out that Jaime was stabbed 11 times. Um, A few of those on their own were fatal stab wounds. So combined with everything else, there was just no way he was surviving that. The other two, you know, Alicia and Michael, they didn't call for help. They didn't call the police. They just went on about their business. So it's pretty clear that, you know, Michael did stab Jaime. He did kill him. But in court, you know, the DA's office is the one that's prosecuting and they're trying to get him put away for murder. And um, his defense lawyer is trying to prove self-defense. So, <laughs> I mean, there we hear a bunch of witnesses, you know, the coroner comes in, the scientific, you know, people come in, um, you know, a bunch of detectives come in and they get on the stand. The, um, the girl's uh, mother testifies. The, the the deceased kid, his mom comes in and testifies and, you know, we're shown pictures of the stab wounds. I've never seen anything like that that wasn't like fake, you know, for a movie or a TV show or something. So like day in and day out, like we're shown like these horrific um, images of this dead kid lying on a table in the coroner's office and it's pertinent for us to see it. Because since his lawyer was trying to claim self-defense, they needed to show us the kind of wounds that he, you know, he suffered. And some of it, some of which were in the back of his body. So the, one of the most ruthless stab wounds that they showed us were were in the back of his head. And the knife was inserted, um, the back of the guy's head and dragged down like eight inches down his neck. And... It was just almost laughable how his lawyer was trying to spin that and lead us to believe that that was a self-defense kind of a um, a wound. It's like it, it just didn't make any sense, you know, like in the the coroner was saying that the knife came down so hard that it chipped his skull. So it's like. You know, the the defense team, you know, it's their job to plant reasonable doubt in our minds. But it was just it was just so very clear from the beginning, like basically what happened. 
the the kid Michael, he was very possessive of his girlfriend. He had a tracker, uh, not a tracker, but he was tracking her phone because she, you know, he required her to share his her location with him at all times. So even though they had broken up for a little bit, he was still keeping tabs on her. She wasn't responding to him that night. And he showed up at the park because she saw that she wasn't in her apartment um, with her family. He tracked her to the playground and the rest is kind of history is his word. And he and the crazy thing is, is that he went on the stand. So and he just completely went up and up there and he lied and it, it was just so chaotic. So. His defense, his his explanation was that he went, he was confronting, you know, his girlfriend asking or the girl asking what they were doing there and that, you know, the victim approached him in like an aggressive manner, got him in a headlock and he had a knife in his pocket. So he took it. Mind you, he's saying he was still in a headlock. He took the knife and was like reaching behind him to get the guy off of him in self-defense. But the guy was stabbed 11 times and some of which, like I said, were in the back of his head, the back of his body. So it's like, you know, the DA's office was like, why did it take you so many times before to stab him before he let go of you? You're saying you stabbed him all these times while you were in a headlock and he didn't let go. She was like, is he the Hulk? What's going on? So he really didn't have a good explanation for how that was possible. He wasn't very helpful. I'm very shocked that his lawyer even let him go up there on the stand. Um, you know, it, it was really like being inside of an episode of Law and Order because, you know, we're, we're listening to all this testimony. We're going through Instagram accounts and, and, and messages, DMs between everyone involved. We're listening to phone calls that are being placed from, you know, the defendant who was in jail, you know, most of the time, you know, all the time before, you know, he would be at court. He's on the phone with his girl. He's threatening her while he's in jail. Like, it, it was so much and it was like unreal. Meanwhile, the DA's office and the defense attorney, they're taking little jabs at each other and, you know, overruling and not overruling. They're objecting to everything the, the other side was saying. The, the judge had to interrupt and intervene and reprimand them in front of us. We as a jury, we kept getting dismissed to the back to the jurors room because they were arguing so much and they didn't want it to taint like what we were thinking in our verdict. And it was just it was so unreal. It was so unreal. And mind you, like I said, you're not supposed to talk about this with anyone. So it was just kind of sitting with me for the most part. Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of cracked a little bit. Try not to get too much info, but it's like you kind of had to like unload some of that because it was it was really it was a little bit traumatizing, <laughs> you know, and I've never, to my knowledge, been that close to anyone who's murdered anybody. And it was just really unsettling and the way he was behaving. He was just very nonchalant. It was like he just kind of had this air about him, like he just knew he was going to be able to go home and that this was going to be taken care of. But like I said, I showed up August 18th. I got picked up a week later and I was there every week in that um, jury box um, up until September 29th. The only reason I, I was dismissed on the 29th is because uh, my mom and I and my aunt, we had a vacation. We were going on a cruise that left out of Florida on October 1st. So 
you know, I, I couldn't stay. When I originally showed up for jury duty, the lawyers were saying that, you know, this probably won't be longer than like a 14 day trial, but it really just carried on and on and on, even beyond what they planned for. So, you know, in the beginning, they ask you if you have any like scheduling conflicts that would, you know, get in the way of you being able to serve. And we were so far away from October at the at the time, I never mentioned it. But once we got closer to it, I had to tell the judge like, hey, I'm leaving, you know, town for a week. I, I can't continue. And he was able to dismiss me. He even made a joke like, are you sure you don't want to hang out with us a little longer? Because we were like three days shy of finishing. And I felt like I spent so much of my time in, you know, court, listening to all this, forming my opinion only to like, you know, not be able to be a part of the final process and the sentencing. So um, one of the other jurors, I did give her my number and she texted me. I was actually on the cruise <laughs> when they reached a verdict and they actually sent him away for first degree murder. So he got 25 to life. And I don't know if he's going to try to appeal that. I'm not sure if he got parole or anything. I meant to call her when I got back from my trip, but I just, I didn't even think about it. And then time just kept going on. And I was like, you know what, let me just move on from this. Like I wasn't even part of the deliberation or anything, but it was just a lot. <laughs> and while it was going on, I just wasn't in a mental state to like, you know, be there, work at my regular job once a week. And then like, talk about other stuff on the podcast when this was like the main thing that I felt like was going on in my life and I wasn't able to even share any of it on here so I just decided to just take an extended break um take that pressure off and just get through it and then you know of course I went on vacation and stuff so time just kept getting away from me but that's the main reason why I took such a long break because that that jury situation really just it, it fucked me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> um, I feel kind of lucky, though, because I've heard horror stories, stories of people who have to serve, you know, jury duty. And it's like a super boring case. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's hard to follow along and like they wish they were back at work. And but this was truly it was it was kind of entertaining at the end of the day. Um, but it, I just, it's so much, I just wish that I was able to like record it or like, you know, this was able to be broadcasted somewhere because I just, I can't even do all the craziness justice. You know, the defense lawyer was like something out of some sitcom. It was, he was just not even real. He was really trying to play us all for fools. I know he's doing his job and what he's paid to do, which is to try to keep his client out of jail. But he was just he was just a clown. He was a clown. There was this one moment. It was so humiliating for me because <laughs> we're listening to the defense attorney. He keeps interrupting the D.A. when she's talking He's, you know, objecting to everything. He's he's almost putting the the blame of, you know, the victim dying on the victim. You know, he's basically saying, well, if he didn't roll up on my client, then maybe he'd still be here. Like he was just saying all kinds of stuff. I can't remember exactly what he said, 
but I almost forgot where I was for a second. Mind you, I'm in the jury box. I'm in the front row of the jury box. I could reach out and touch the DA if I want to. That's how close we are. The defense attorney said something that was so absurd that my intrusive thought, I started to say it out loud. And I think I was saying like, oh my God, or no, but that's not. And I I started to say it out loud and I caught myself. Nobody said anything, but the lawyer and the judge and a couple of other jurors kind of like snapped their eyes at me like, what? And I had to just like swallow it. And I I sat there frozen like a statue because I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I almost said my my inside thought out loud, but I for a split second, it almost felt like I was watching a movie and I was just reacting without thinking. And it was like, okay, I'm starting to crack like this is (laughs) this needs to be wrapped up. It was just you just get so invested, you know, and you're seeing the real real time effects of what has happened to all these families, you know. The girl, the girlfriend, she had to go up there and testify. She was up there for like four or five days just getting grilled. And all the intimate details of the relationship was revealed to, you know, a a courtroom full of strangers, full of her family, full of her ex-boyfriend's family. And you could tell she was very conflicted, like, at the end of her being up there on the stand, she admitted, she was like, I still love him. And she's like crying. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, (sighs) it was just so much. And I feel like I'm like semi reliving it now. And I won't go into too much more detail about it. But it was an interesting experience. I was happy when it was over. I felt like I earned the vacation that I took afterwards. (laughs) And you know, I don't know if I'll ever get that lucky again as far as having like a very interesting case if I ever serve on jury duty again. But, um, you know, if I was allowed to stay on and I was allowed to give my opinion, not just as an alternate, I'm pretty sure I would have voted for first degree murder as well. So, you know, I'm happy on that front. I'm sure he's not. But the proof was in the pudding. And that's all that is so in this instance I feel like the judicial system did what it was supposed to do and I definitely feel like I it was a duty it was work for sure and um you know I'm happy that's behind me now but it was a doozy okay oh my god so like I was saying, after the whole jury duty situation, I actually had a planned vacation and um, it was supposed to be a bigger family affair than it actually ended up being. Uh, my cousin Nep, he had um, he's currently doing a contract with Disney on one of their cruises and he invited us to come along and go to the Bahamas. Uh, which was really, really cool. My family and I, we've been on two other cruises while he's been on the ship before, but it was a long time ago. Um, I was, we were doing the math at one point. It was like 10 plus years ago, or maybe just 10 years ago. Um, But we were excited to do it again, but it was supposed to be um, me, my mom, my grandma, my aunt, my cousin, my little cousins who were in Texas, my uncle, uh, my aunt, his wife. Um, He invited Blue and his boys. Like it was going to be this whole big thing. And I was super excited. And uh, this is back in October. Now, my mom and I earlier in the year, we were supposed to do 
uh, like a mother-daughter Mexico trip that we had started paying for earlier in the year. But once we heard that this was a trip opportunity for like, like a mini family reunion, uh, we canceled that and then we kind of changed courses and made plans to be on this cruise. And it was leaving out of um, out of Florida. So we had to fly to Florida, then leave on the ship and then fly back. So it took a little bit of planning. At the end of the day, planning wise, it was just kind of falling apart one by one. And it ended up just being me, my mom, and my aunt (laughs) due to just scheduling and timing and just, you know, willingness to just kind of make it work. And it ended up being okay. My mom had never been, so that was exciting. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, Disney cruises, they're, they're interesting. I personally believe that they were better quality 10 years ago. And I don't know if this is like just a pandemic thing. Like maybe they were like just fine up until the pandemic. But it just, the magic just wasn't there this time it was nice to get away nice to be in the bahamas nice to you know see my cousin who i don't always get to see nice to spend time with my mom and you know get her out of the house and have her do something fun and relaxing um but yeah i was just missing something that we had grown so fond of with the disney cruises 10 years ago and i can't quite put my finger on it but you know, it was just it was just something missing, like overall, like just the vibe of it, the the staff interaction, the quality of the food, like the the people on board. And I know you can't control like people and their kids and stuff, but it just seems like overall there was like a lack of manners, lack of patience, lack of common sense that was just very apparent with a lot of the people, you know, just in walking by them and being near them on the ship. So I don't know what that was about. Um, I think if I do another cruise, it would have to be adults only and, you know, not Disney. I I think I would want to maybe try to do something else. Um, But, you know, I was definitely grateful for the opportunity I mean after a certain point when we were kind of like going back and forth on if if this was going to happen I was like look I'm going somewhere I don't know where but I'm 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 gonna go somewhere on this vacation I already got the time off from work we're gonna make this happen one way or another (laughs) but you know it, it worked out how how it was supposed to and um I don't know travel traveling is is great but it's tiring and I only had the one week off and I think going forward you know I'm gonna try to make sure I have like a block of two weeks off just because I feel like you need a vacation from your vacation you know like traveling and being on planes trains automobiles boats and then like a couple days later having to go right back to work it's a pain in the ass so I've already put in next year for two weeks in October (laughs) So I'm going to see what I can do with that, maximize my time, do a little more research and just do something really, really exciting. And maybe I can drag Blue along with me if he has the time. He's a busy man these days. Um, Little innocent, short, quick little plug. He's in a new Peloton campaign 
that is like all over the place. Every time I watch something on Hulu, I swear I see it. So if you see um, a cheeky little Peloton ad, they have a bunch of different people, um, you know, working out on the bike and they're playing this old Eve song called Tambourine. He's in that and he looks so good. So proud of him. Just a little plug. So yeah, let's see if I can arrange something for us next year. Or if not, me and my mom can, you know, have a redo of our original mother-daughter trip plan. Maybe I'll do something solo. Um, my cousin Christian, he actually did a solo trip to Japan recently. And he's it's just such an inspiring thing to see. It's It's been on his list. He's been talking about it forever. He made it happen for himself he he planned it he organized it he did his research and he had a blast like I swear he came back a changed man and it's and I just was thinking I was like that's I think that's important to do something by yourself like that I'm sure you learn a lot about yourself and it's it's just something that you'll kind of hold on to and, and treasure for the rest of your life doing something like that. And I, I've just been thinking, you know, with the trajectory of my life right now, you know, there's going to come a point where it's not just going to be me. I'm going to be married with kids and I'm going to be wishing I had the time to just go and do something by myself like this. So that's, that's something I'm thinking about too. So, you know, in the spirit of self-discovery and, you know, the world being my oyster or whatever. I, I think I think that'll be something good for me. So possibilities are endless, right? But the best part will just be not being at work for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so I hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving holiday. I can't believe the year is starting to wrap up this way. It's just it's time goes by so so fast. Um, this year for Thanksgiving, my family, a small group of us, we actually went to Lowry's, um, prime rib in Beverly Hills, um, for the day. And, um, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really enjoy it. It's the best way I can describe it. It tasted like medieval food, like something you would eat while you were, watching jousting and stuff (laughs) and it just it just was not it was just not that great and I know my mom was trying to say well you know back in the day it used to be really good and then I don't know if it was her or someone else they're like well maybe it was just because you know it's the Thanksgiving menu and you know maybe it's just better to go at a regular time and I'm like um I don't care if it's Groundhog's Day like it should if it's a good place it should just be good like everything just kind of tasted the same like it just everything just tasted boiled and bland in my opinion (laughs) um like I mean I got this really thick piece of prime rib it was like tender I guess but it just wasn't very flavorful and you get so much meat on your plate for it to just be kind of blah and then I didn't realize they like smother your mashed potatoes and gravy, which I'm not a gravy person. And that also didn't have a lot of flavor. So that was kind of ruined. And then, you know, my mother and I, we, we basically got the same thing. But she told the waiter, um, we also want a side of cream corn and a side of cream spinach so that, you know, my daughter and I can share. And 
you know, it's a la carte. So I'm thinking there's like a dish of each that we can both just spoon out of and put onto our plate. And the guy understood. He was like, okay, we'll bring that out. You two are going to share. Great. Well, that'll be out shortly. So we're like, all right. So then they bring our plates, but they put the side dishes on her plate. And then it was kind of covered in that gravy I don't like. So I just was able to maybe spoon like a tablespoon or two off onto my plate. And it's unfortunate because that was like the best tasting thing. So I don't know. It was nice to do something different. I mean, I I think home cooked is always best, but it is nice to not have to worry about a bunch of dishes and stuff. But it's funny because the next day my mom got up at the ass crack of dawn, I heard, and she spent the whole Friday cooking Thanksgiving dinner anyway. So we had chicken and dressing and mac and cheese and my aunt made potato salad. My cousin made chocolate cake and there were pies made like so we ended up having that anyway we didn't like sit down and eat it together ended up just taking like a plate home because my cousin and I also went to Korean barbecue last night to get some real food and so it was just kind of (laughs) everything was just kind of out of whack but it was nice to spend time with family I just would be satisfied you know, forever if I never set foot in Lowry's again, which is unfortunate because it wasn't cheap. (laughs) And um, I I guess I was, I just had my expectations too high. So um, yeah, not my favorite. I can't believe how packed it was for, for what we were getting. I'm not even sure, like I share with my family exactly my thoughts on the restaurant. So surprise I kind of hated it but (laughs) it was nice hanging with you guys (laughs) so yeah I hope everybody had the Thanksgiving that they wanted and they got to spend time with family got to take some time off from work hopefully got to eat some delicious food I mean I didn't on Thanksgiving day exactly but Friday I ate real good and today I had what my mom made I, I heat that up and it was delicious so uh hopefully your you guys's uh, holiday wasn't as scattered and you know out of order like mine was but you know say love you and thanksgiving as i always say is a throwaway anyway christmas is where it's at so that's what i'm about to be focused on gotta start doing my christmas shopping get some good stuff for my fam um shop for Blue, who was just so hard shot for, um, and then get some stuff for his boys and just get all that in order. So that's what I'm looking forward to the Christmas spirit. Okay. There's no such thing as a Thanksgiving spirit. Am I right? Of course. (laughs) I think I'm going to wrap this up here though, guys. I wanted to get an episode out there, just kind of touch base on why I was gone for so long and just a couple things that have gone on since, um, just to kind of dip my toe in the water again of the the podcast and you know kind of start getting the rhythm back because I definitely want to record I I I did miss it it's a creative outlet it's fun I love the feedback and you know I don't want to toot my own horn but two people have asked me where the podcast has been so I got to give the people what they want, right? (laughs) But I don't know, maybe people have been wondering and they just didn't say anything. So I just wanted to get on here, give a little brief little explanation, get back to it. Next week, I'll pick back up with what does Wendy say? The hot topics. There's been a ton of stuff happening in pop culture. 
things I want to touch on, things that have been going on with me, just some uh, relationship observations, just some funny things going on at like work and stuff. And, you know, like I said, just all of the above, all the things I want to give my two cents on. So stay tuned. We're going to get back on track. I appreciate you listening, tuning in. If you miss me, I appreciate that. I missed you too. I'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Happy holidays. Hey guys, if you made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. From the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate it. Now there's a new episode every Sunday, so be sure to come on back for another round of Vodka Melonade. Bye.